Good morning and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Dan Rucci. Dan, along with twin brother Paul, is the co-owner at Rucci's Gym, a gym that has to be Australia's, if not the world's best equipped powerlifting gym. He's a coach, powerlifter, and by virtue of the success of Rucci's Gym, an industry leader. In today's episode, we touch on all things Rucci's Gym and the sport of powerlifting in general. Enjoy. All right, welcome everybody to episode 61 of the Smith Fitness Podcast. My guest today, I've hopefully just introduced him if I've done my job right, is Dan Rucci, co-owner of, let's just say, the best equipped powerlifting gym in Australia, if not the world. Um, Today, I'm going to grill him about uh, everything powerlifting. I want to touch on a few technical things about coaching, programming, injuries as well. Um, And I think it sounds good. Hopefully ask a few questions about the business side of things. Um, You know, Bridges Gym has been a a huge success. So I want to I want to delve into that a little bit as well and uh, and see what makes the bloke tick. Dan might have some questions for me. Um, We didn't get many off Instagram. I was a bit disappointed in that. But anyway, I've got a whole heap for you, bro. We're not into famous enough. <laughs> okay, um, so that okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for jumping on, man. It's been a while. Uh, obviously, yeah, sort no, of added to you. I like doing stuff. Yeah, I like doing stuff like this. You know, like, it's good to connect with people and share stories, and you know, because I think at the end of the day, it's it's good to speak to people and sort of get to know how other people tick and what makes their facilities tick. And I just think it's a good thing, you know. And um, Jacob has done a great job, by the way. Yeah, I'm he just, has. Hey. He's smashing him out, man. Yeah, it's um, really it's good. a strength of his. He he fucking can talk. Um, <laughs> he can he can talk. So I was like, man, we we did a fair few, and then I was like, man, you should do one by yourself. Like you should start one. Yeah. And he's like, man, he's smashing it. Like he's telling, he's sort of asking me, he's like, oh, is the podcast room free? Like it needs, I need to use it, and like smashing him out. Yeah. So it's awesome oh, to good. see. Um, and look, man, I mean, your podcast, you know, you guys have done really well. I know. Paul and I started one. I think we're, I think maybe we're just under twenty episodes, but we haven't done one for over a year. Really? And to be honest, it's just time. It is, man. It is. It's one of those time. things that it's a slow burn. Like I've done. This is sixty-one, and I've got a, a few lined up um, with some like Troy and one of the boys from the gym. Another one with Jacob. I want to do some sort of um, bios about, you know, strong people we should know. We've done a couple in the past, like Old Strongman. We did Mark Henry. I want to do a few like that as well. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. I sort of started this with Troy, um, and Troy was a little bit reluctant. Um, and I, it's sort of, it's more just me now. But it was just like, we're going to have these chats in the gym anyway. We might as well record them. And to be fair, two years yeah. ago when we started, we were a little bit quieter. Um, yeah. I didn't have as many kids. So there was a bit more, there was a bit more free time. There was a bit more free time on our hands. Um, so yeah, let's, I'm, I'm going to get into it. We're going to get stuck in. Um, before I get to that, I'll do all the stuff I I need to, I need to say, um, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, make sure you hit subscribe, do the old thumbs, thumbs up, give us a review, all that sort of stuff. It all helps to be fair. Um, I rate the old screenshot on, uh, on IG. So do that. And we like sharing them. So if you're listening, Chuck it up on your Instagram, tag us both, and uh, we'll share it on our platform and spread the word about the podcast. So thanks again for jumping on. It's been some time. I wanted to get you on. Um, probably one of my sort of first picks when I think of people in Perth to get on, uh, people that have impacted our gym positively, um, people that I've had a fair bit to do with uh, in terms of almost like an external mentor to me without probably 
really knowing it too much, but obviously always taking in what you guys are doing and thinking, how could I put my own spin on it and how could I do something similar a lot of time? Um, so definitely someone that I wanted to get on the podcast. So going to get straight to it and I won't be as blunt as what I mentioned on the old uh, Instagram post, but um, obviously yeah, your gym is gym is deck to the nines, right? Um, you run, I, c- I can't see competitions being much better. There's, a, there's actually a couple of things um, that we, that me and the boys have spoken about that have happened at the comp at your competitions that we're like, well, that's probably the one thing that could improve, but I can't see any competitions being better. The caliber of lifters at your gym is fucking elite. Um, these things don't sort of just happen. So what has made Ruchi's gym, uh, the success it is, what do you put it down to? Oh man, look, I guess, First of all, thank you for very kind words, man. I appreciate it. And remember, I did coach you for a little while as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> that was, I was like half strong. Five years ago? It was a while ago. Good times. Yeah. I, actually, I, a video came up on my newsfeed or something, and it was you lifting at V2 uh, when, I was, when I was working with you, and it was cool. But yeah. Oh, Look, yeah, man, on the, on the Duffalo Bar. What was that one? I think it was on the Duffalo Bar. I don't know what it was. No, you're on the platform. We were deadlifting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Anyway, look, uh, I appreciate uh, the kind words. Look, man, I mean, if you just look at anything that um, has relative success, um, you know, obviously we believe we've had some success with this, I guess. You know, we don't like – honestly, it's not something that we would brag about. You know, we kind of not like that. We just get on with stuff. But, um, Man, it's a combination of things. First of all, obviously, we started this gym very, very early on. So, you know, first to market is always very important with with um, running something successful. Mm-hmm. Not that we were entirely first to market, but I guess we were first to market in the sense that the type of gym that we wanted to, to run um, was kind of a, a new concept, you know. So, you know, historically, powerlifting comes from a very, um, you know, underground old school type of gym you know like henry's gym you know it's a yep. great gym strong man bulletproof you know and that um, would have been the first sort of powerlifting they were the first powerlifting gym or the powerlifting gym that was there um when you you know we did our first meet at, at the muscle pit yep. and um in in all fairness if we lived a bit closer we probably would have ended up training there and mm-hmm. maybe we wouldn't be here today you know so it was just the distance for us at the time. Um, look, man, obviously everything happens for a reason and we decided that we'd open our own facility. Obviously, we are very new to it all. When we when we did, we probably we opened up in 2012 and we'd been sort of in powerlift for maybe two to three years, something in that range. Um, and look, man, we just had a vision and it just one thing leads to another and, you know, you, you snap your fingers, nine years goes by and, Four, you know, four, you know, four venues later, and it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. Um, Paul and I obviously have a little bit of an advantage as well, which I feel is sort of gives us a point of difference. For the start, for starters, there's two of us. Yep. Right. Um, we work very well together. Uh, we complement each other very well, um, and we've run many businesses in the past, and we've learned lots from failures and lots from some of the success we've had. Sure, we haven't run a gym, and we haven't run what we would call a brick and mortar business like this. Um, the businesses that we've run have always been sort of dot-com online-based businesses. Yep. Um, and we just found those types of businesses were just good for flexibility um, and also keep overheads down. Something like this has a massive occupancy cost, 
which if you wanted to go into later, we can in terms of talking about the business. So it, it, it is a big commitment and a big responsibility to take on something like a gym, yeah. which is why, you know, start small. I mean, our first gym was 170 square meters, keeps the occupancy cost relatively low, especially when you don't even know if someone's, you're going to get anyone at the gym. And yeah. then obviously as you grow, you can start to scale up. I think the biggest mistake people make with gyms is they try and scale up too quickly. Um, and they increase their overhead to the point where they're just not able to manage their cash flow and they go that, under. That more, um, that build it and they will come mentality um, probably couldn't be more wrong, I don't think, in the, in the gym space. Look, I mean, so like I said, when we started, I guess in a way we were kind of first to market with the type of gym that we wanted. Yeah. So Paul and I really had the vision of, of taking powerlifting and that sort of that strength gym culture and just modernising it. Yeah. Um, and I that's think a good way to put it. I haven't really thought of it like that, but you're exactly right. You yeah. sort of, for lack of a better term, like cleaned it up a little bit. Does that make sense? Like it polished. like a, made it, yeah, yeah, polished it, polished it. Perfect. We tried to polish something that we felt um, had a lot of potential and that we felt in order to get or to scale up the sport of powerlifting and sort of bring down the barriers and make it more acceptable and, you know, family friendly, it's important to have a facility that's, clean and tidy and professional and diligent. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how you grow a sport at the end of the day. And look, initially, you know, we didn't even run much powerlifting. Um, it wasn't until 2013 when I took over GPC uh, here in WA that things sort of really started to take off. And I think at that point we were already at V2. So even in V1, I think we, we did like one or two comps, like a novice comp, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so at that time around like sort of 2012 it would have been like the crossfit boxes would have just been starting to kick off maybe and no, no, then, they were pretty fully fledged by then man um, yeah so there but was there was nothing that, that was point. like the last sort of four or five years maybe just i'm too close to it and because i'm in it you would you say that the uh the more strength conditioning based gyms have started to sort of make yeah, it look, make a bit more I definitely think the bias towards this style of gym um, is increasing. And I definitely think that the CrossFit style of gym has definitely started to fade away. I mean, even us, even with us, you know, I noticed that we get a lot of people coming over from CrossFit. Yep. Uh, and the main thing that we get is they just don't want to do all the cardio. They, they like the weight. <laughs> they yep. like lifting heavy weight, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so and that's pretty much the only reason that we get when people come over from CrossFit. Because apart from that, CrossFit, for what it is, is a good exercise regime. You yeah, know, it can work, but it's like any regime. It's going to be for you know okay for some people and not for others. And people got to sort of gravitate towards what they feel they'd like to do and what they think is also going to give them a great result. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. And I think you know that's one of the reasons. Look, and look, CrossFit. I think maybe as a fad is starting to come, you come sort of down the hill a little bit. Especially, oh, it, def it definitely uh, wouldn't be increasing the way it had for you know that that steady yeah. while there. I was it was going gangbusters. It's still big. It's way bigger than powerlifting. Let's put, let's just oh, put yeah. it out. Yeah, it's it, it's exponentially. It's logarithmic times yeah. <laughs> bigger than powerlifting. But around that time when you guys were getting started, that that would have been, you know, the the sort of the peak mm. of it. I'd say in terms of like new yeah. boxes popping up. It and was stuff close like to there were heaps of boxes. You know, yeah, everyone was opening a CrossFit box. And now it seems I wouldn't say a gym's like mine, but gyms that sort of do. 
um, you know, a blending of the strength sports. Like you could go in there and you could do like we do, I call it sort of watered down CrossFit, our cross training sessions, which is just yeah. like a step up from a boot camp, not a CrossFit session. Yeah, There's a lot that, of yeah. gyms that are doing that sort of thing. Like they're sort of putting their own spin on it a little bit. If you want to be a powerlifter, you can be a powerlifter in there. Um, and that's sort of, and that's where I was talking before is like the, the whole having a niche thing. Um, mm. it, it's sort of like getting people stronger and fitter is the niche. Uh, and then you have those real sort of niche gyms that are like fat loss, bodybuilding competitions, that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, do you think the... Having a unique selling proposition for your own business and, and sort yeah. of what, what you, know, you want to focus on, you know? Obviously, our niche is definitely strength training. And yeah. obviously, then, you know, and there's two, there's two spectrums. It's, it's a broad spectrum, you know? You know, we use strength, our strength training philosophies general population you know we've got a strength training group semi-private group model yeah we've got personal training and then on the other side of the spectrum you've got powerlifting you know yeah uh, but you can literally use the same philosophies and methodologies really for both 100 yeah and someone could look from the outside and be like oh you're training this guy the same as this guy in terms of exercise selection but the application of it might be entirely different in terms of that, programming you know, periodization and, everything and else so the individual are completely different but you can yeah. basically use the same you know regime so to speak you know yeah. um look apart from that in terms of success and stuff look man like i said paul and i work really well together we've done a lot together um we have a really good diverse range of skills um yeah, you guys, know, do, you, do you guys ever blew out like just be like fucking you have a scrap on when was, not, scrap, when was the last scrap? When was the last scrap? Every now and again, we might get frustrated at each other in the office and I'll storm into his office and, you know, you know what, we're a fucking boss say what I've got to say. And the guys up here, like all of our staff, they'll be like... <laughs> and I'll walk in there after and I'll say, guys, relax, we're fine. Like, it's just... You know, and then like 10 minutes later, I'll go back into his office like nothing's happened we'll just start talking. <laughs> I, would fuck, I would fuck with him, mate. I... You should mess with them when they get them in here and you should be like, you know what? We're fucking closing the doors. I told you I wouldn't do it. I'm fucking doing it. And then just one of you just leaves and then just walk back in. April fools them or something, bro. That'd be great. Look, man, I mean, obviously Paul and I sometimes have our point of yeah, differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's a normal thing. Yeah. We definitely wouldn't say that having a business partner is a great idea. And in fact, we've tried that quite a few times in different businesses okay. and it hasn't, it hasn't gone very well. Um, and in the case of here, like, yeah, I don't think we would ever, um, not that we need to, but I think even for yourself, man, I think you being the sole business owner is the best idea because as soon as you have someone else come in, you have this split, you have this differentiation yeah, of man. Um, goals and targets and what you want to achieve. And Especially when you put your name on the building. As soon as <laughs> yeah, you do that, it's like, well, it's kind oh, of yeah, like, where's, right? where's the fucking know? Smith guy? Yeah, so... Um, what do, you, what do you think you've learned from those um, those past um, businesses that that have um, sort of transferred over? Like the whole dot com thing, has that helped out in terms of um, social media look, I mean, and stuff like that? A lot that? of the a lot of the skills that we have acquired over the years have definitely helped us here at Ruchi's Gym. Yeah, I mean, I'm a software engineer by profession. Paul's an engineer, like a control systems engineer. Um, you know, so we have a lot of technical skills. I mean, for example, I built all the competition system. Yeah. So without those skills, we wouldn't have such an incredible competition system that integrates with our live broadcasting and all that, you know, live score sheet online and that type of thing. So that's all been developed in-house. Um, and we've had many people try and buy it off us. Um, yeah, I was going to say, surely people have been like, oi, sort me out. Because even like going to nationals, I've only 
been to nationals uh, once in person and it was like Excel spreadsheet, which is nothing yeah. wrong with that, but it doesn't look, no. it's not as polished, like you said. Yeah, I mean, the, the next lifter spreadsheet, which is what you're talking about, is widely used around yep. the world. Um, we just wanted to take it to another level, you know, I mean, that's all. I mean, yeah, that's mad. For me, a spreadsheet is very limiting. Okay. So you guys, you guys have the, the, like you said, the technical skills, the ins and outs to sort of create something that no one else really has. Well, in, in fairness. Well, no in powerlifting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, look outside of that, man, there's lots of other skills and just, and just in terms of business and running a business and managing cash flow and balance, you know, managing, balancing your portfolio and all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, it's important. And, and now we've got the issue, well, we've obviously had this for a while, but, but human resourcing, dealing with staff, hiring, firing, um, mentoring, growing yeah. people, um, you know, and even now we've noticed, especially in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, Paul and I have kind of slowly started to take a step back from day-to-day -day coaching and personal training and because just Honestly, we, we, you become time poor as your business grows. Is that a goal of yours? I know a lot of gym members um, and even just the sort of business growth uh, from a gym owner perspective, things you come across, they always seem to glamorize that they don't do any coaching anymore. Is that something that you guys sort of subscribe to? Like, do you want to do no coaching and just like let it run itself? Because I um, sort of like, I like to be on the gym floor and coaching and fucking pretending I'm counting reps and all that sort of shit. Like that still gets me up and about. And a lot of people sort of glamorize, oh, I don't yeah, even do any PT anymore. And I'm like, well. Oh. Honestly, this is a very good question. Um, the answer is I think that when we got into this business, same as you, AJ, you love helping people and working with them. But as you grow and scale up, your time, the available time for you to be able to do that, it diminishes, it decays. Oh, yeah. Because you're doing other things to grow your business. You're dealing with, staff you're dealing with admin stuff financial broken assault bikes yeah right you know <laughs> operations so unless you have people that you can hire to take on board some of the marketing and sales and all that stuff unless you've got someone you can hire to take and all that stuff unfortunately your time becomes you become time poor in, and, and so look it's a honestly it's a very tough question look obviously we're 43 years old this year we've been doing this since we'll open the gym and we're basically 32 yeah you know, do I want to be coaching forever? Look, you know, honestly, probably not. I mean, the, the questions, the, the better question is, do you want to be coaching everyone forever? Probably not. And that's where I think no, like you've obviously not, paid no. your dues and you're like, oh, this guy, it might be, you know, an, an elite level power lifter that you, you know, you want to prepare for nationals and you're like, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to be hands on here. Yeah. I mean, we, we already have started to, to sort of pick and choose a bit and you've, you've sort of, uh, You've done the hard work that you can pick and yeah, choose. Yeah, we, we've actually started to massage that model a little bit. So now we, in our coaching team, we have uh, Vin, Elliot, and Charlie. So those three boys, when we have new clients come through the door, yep. they take on board a lot of the new lifters and the, and the new development stuff. Mm -hmm. So Paul and I no longer work with anyone new coming in the door. Yeah. So we pretty much only work with like elite lifters or someone that we think has got ridiculous potential. Yep. They're the types of people, because we have a limited people that were available in our roster. They're the types of people that we take on board. Apart from that, you know, the other guys are more than capable of working with a new lifter, you know? Yeah. Not to mention, we, as the head coaches, we still impart our philosophies. We're still and there's here. still that gym floor coaching. Like if you're walking past and something looks off, yeah, you know, you, you go know, over it. Um, yeah. 
That's, we that's maybe one I think that's the difference between a gym like ours um, and yours, obviously, um, and just like the regular commercial gym is that like they, I feel like in gyms like ours that we would say something, pull people up and like pull them aside yeah, in terms of their performance or what they're doing technically, stuff like that. Whereas other gyms, people just walk past. Because in the day, they're in your gym and in a way they represent what you do. Even if they might not even get directly coached by you, there's still that representation. Yeah. Um, and the people here we feel should try and represent our brand in the best possible way, you know? So, and that includes you know, like how they conduct themselves on social media. Um, you know, so it's important in terms of like pulling back and stuff. Like I said, man, I'm, you know, I'm 43 this year. Like I don't want to be getting too nitty gritty like until I'm 60 years old. Yeah. This is why we have good quality staff that we're able to mentor and, and they can grow into the roles. Yeah. Um, so it is something that Paul and I are kind of starting to do because we know we want to do things more like on work on our courses and yeah. with us having a coach's certification, you know, like an in-house one. Yeah. Um, you know, they things like that that are just you're able to help more people just by pulling back a bit and just looking a bit broader. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's look, man. It's a tricky one because at the end of the day, it's Roach's gym and. When a lot of people come here, especially when you've got a lot of our OGs that they've worked with us personally for a very long time, to pull back a little bit and say, look, guys, we're in a position where we just can't anymore because it's affecting our family lives. It's affecting, you know, my mental state. I'm just, yeah. it's difficult, right? Yeah. I mean, I think last year before COVID hit, I I was managing 65 lifters just myself. Yeah, shit. Um, and That's Paul bonkers. has 50 or so. Um the best thing that we've done in the last 18 months was, first of all, we brought on Elliot full-time. Yep. Uh, and then now we obviously have been pretty much full-time and now Charlie's part-time. But having those boys there has been a complete game-changer for us. I mean, I know my brother's now down to under 20 uh, on his roster and I'm sort of around 30. So I'm literally half at half of what I was doing a year ago. Yep. But it's freed my time up so much to do other things that are actually growing other areas of the gym. The on the business, in the business sort of thing, isn't it? You know, because the boys are really ridiculously busy now and have lots of clients that we work with because I've been able to spend time on the marketing and the sales side and signing people up and, you know, that yeah. that that whole area of business, which I didn't have two seconds to do a year ago yeah. before COVID because I was literally at my desk all day programming and doing session reviews and video feedback. Just quickly, um, how did you go through COVID? What was your, what was your process for it? Did you just um, go no, memberships I mean, on hold, that sort of stuff? or? I mean, obviously COVID was tough for everyone. I think the, the toughest thing was like there, we didn't know when. Like it, there was just yeah. no end date. Yeah. So like obviously we did plan, you know, obviously two weeks before we kind of knew that this might be coming. Yeah. So kind of plan, what we did was um, uh, we organised like leasing of our equipment. Um, yep. Helping Fuck the oh, So six people got to take a mono home. No, no monos, no monos. <laughs> uh, we did so, the same. We did the same thing to sort of uh, keep your membership on if you can, if your circumstances haven't changed, and come yeah. and grab what you think you need. Don't uh, don't be a dick about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, ours was slightly different to yours, but yeah. um, oh know, man, ours was very members, yeah, ours was very. Like, and, oh, and come and grab members it. wanted to keep their memberships running. Man, amazing. You know, yeah. like honestly, a huge help. 
you know, because some people weren't affected by COVID, they still had their jobs. Yeah. And so to have members that just wanted us to be able to keep the lights on and paying for something that they're literally getting no value from is like, that's like the, you know, the gold standard of the type of people that you want in your gym. hundred percent. Yeah. Obviously not everyone could do that because some had job losses and some mm-hmm. don't dare, you know, because there's some people even that train here that don't really get involved in the club as much. And you've probably got the same where, you know, you've got your fanatics and you've just got people that just want to train yeah. at the gym. Yeah. And that's cool. Like we're okay with that. People can get involved as little or as much as they want. Although I do tell people when they walk in the door, if you want to do the best you can, you will get involved as much as you can. Yeah. So yeah. people that don't get involved as much, they don't do as well. They don't last you, as long as members either. But even just in terms of progress, they just yeah. don't make that much progress. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the same old story, right? You surround yourself, you're an average of the five people you spend your time with. Um, you only get out what you put in. How many analogies do you want me to say? You know, yeah. like, you know, it, it actually, you know, no effort, no reward. You know what I mean? Like, you only get out what you put in at the end of the day. So if you apply yourself in your training, make an effort with the club and give back as well, pay it forward, then I believe that you end up doing better because you have a better experience. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think gyms like ours succeed purely because um, we're able to give this amazing experience. Yeah. You know? And I really? think that's what it's all about. And I tell my guys all the time, we are definitely results-based and we want people to get results. But if they don't get a good experience, it doesn't matter what results they get. Yeah, it's true. If they don't get a good experience, but they're still getting amazing results, you will still lose them. Yeah. Yeah. If you have someone who's having an amazing experience, but not perhaps not getting the results they want, you will still retain them as a client yeah. because they love it. Yeah, exactly. However, what we do find is if you can deliver the experience, the results come. So if you just focus on delivering a, an amazing experience for people, then I, we normally find that they get results because of that. Mm. Right? Um, I like that. Mm. I mean, that's just from my own perception on over the years of how, you know, I've seen people come and go. I've seen the results that people get or not get. And I think it comes down to experience, to be honest. The yeah. experience that you're giving them in the facility, you know. Because um, if they feel connected with their coach, for example, they're going to build more rapport. You know, it makes does, sense, right? Does everyone that comes through at Rucci's get uh, a coach allocated or anything like that? Or is it purely like you've got um, your, mem- your membership and then you've got your, your coaching above that that they can sort of pick and choose which one out of the... Terms of like just sort of a person that walks in the door. Yeah. Um, there's the club membership. And you, if you want, you can just get a club membership. Yep. We always recommend having the coaching service laid over the top. Um, and to be honest, new people that come in, I would say 80 to 90% of them come on board for coaching. Yeah. Well, um, they're seeking it out to start with, aren't they? Yeah. Most people that come here know why they're coming here. Yeah. You know, coming to train here, but also to work with us, you know. Every yep. now and again, you'll get someone coming going, man, I just want a, a gym to train at that I can get onto the equipment without waiting four hours. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, that too. Yeah. Cool. We don't get a lot of that. It may be 10% of the people that walk in the door. Um, and then the other 10% might be lifters who are already lifting. They maybe have an online coach or something and they just want to train here. You know, they oh, want to be yeah. part of it, but they work with someone else. Yep. Um, which is cool too, like online, that's fine. Um, but most of the people that train here work with us in some capacity, whether it be in our coaching service, obviously with our personal training or our group stuff. Um, but look, man, this gym is kind of just for everyone. Like we haven't, you know, we don't really say no to people. It's not like you have to be a certain level to train here. You know, we do get a lot of people that feel maybe intimidated 
Oh man, that's just across the fucking board, isn't it? Like that's it's something oh, that they're not I've, at the right level to train here because they yeah. see all the big thing and they say, "Nah, man, like." Dude, that's but just fitness in general, isn't it? Like, and and yeah. like being like my personality is just just does not have that way of thinking. Um, so yeah, when no, when I'm people saying. come through the door and like oh, I've been following you for like three years and not, you know it's taken them that long to decide that they're going to do something or that they've come through. Like it's taken everything in <laughs> their soul to fucking walk through the door. And I'm just like, <laughs> for me, like if you told me that four years ago, I'd just be like, what? But now I've seen it so much that I'm like, people like have, I wouldn't say, what's the, what's the, the right term? Like I wouldn't say problems. Like people have, like that's an issue for people. It's, it's a, a legit, It's a legit issue that people struggle with to say, I'm going to go to that gym is like yeah. the hardest decision they'll have that year some, for some people. <laughs> I know. And for me, I'm just like, yeah. huh, what? But, we get a little bit of that. But once I explain to people the types of people that train here, yeah. um, they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, it's, yeah, so, well, it's so good when you see those people that are so apprehensive and then like, you know, a month later, they're part of the furniture and you're just like, it's true. almost I mean, like that's, that's why I started this place. Yeah. That, and, and to be honest, it's funny you say that, like, you know, as much as we love powerlifting and we love the lifters and that whole, I guess that whole space, um, I think you get more satisfaction out of getting someone who has a lot of problems and and helping them, you know, giving them solutions and watching them grow and something simple like someone can't even, can't squat properly, there's an yep. example, right? And then after a year of training and sort of return to training protocols and rehab and all that, all of a sudden, boom, they're squatting 60 kilos. That is probably gives you more satisfaction than, you know, getting a power lifter from, say, 180 squat to a 200 kilo squat, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you're you're really satisfying the needs of someone who has an issue that's way more important than adding an extra 20 kilos to the bar. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I think um, I get that now. I to be honest, maybe five or six years ago, I didn't understand that. Um, but now that we've been in it a while and have managed to actually help people through those problems and see the satisfaction it gives them, it gives you way more satisfaction. Okay. Um, yeah. For as, sure. opposed, as a gym owner, when you, it's, you know, helping someone lose 60 kilos or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, now that's a huge lifestyle change for that person. You've literally extended their life. Yeah. By 20 yeah. Someone's life hasn't changed because they hit, you know, a 200 kilo deadlift, but uh, someone's life someone, has changed. Here, they... Let's be real. Even if one of my boys went down there and squat and, and deadlifted 400, their life ain't changing. Yeah. No one actually cares. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares. I mean, that's the truth. The only people that care are powerlifters and they only care for about five minutes. If that. <laughs> they watch that's the video, true. they make some comments, they complain about how it wasn't locked out. They close the video and then they go on to something else. And 100%. I'm them. the one that complains that it wasn't locked out. <laughs> Hey man, don't um, get obviously we love powerlifting. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna get is... we're gonna get to some of the stuff uh, on powerlifting. Um, let's touch on your coaches, man. Um, yeah, maybe I'm too close to it. Maybe it's true. Um, I feel like you guys uh, for the Perth, well, yeah, for Western Australia, for Perth in general, have created jobs for powerlifting coaches, not just just at your gym, but because of uh, the competitions that you've run. Um, they obviously return the favor by bringing lifters to your competition, so it creates a bit of a, a circle of life, a powerlifting circle yeah, of life. Man. Um, 
I'm it's assuming you're aware fun. of this. Uh, for instance, my gym would look different if you guys didn't run competitions. Doesn't mean we wouldn't have got into powerlifting, um, but it would look different. Um, it wouldn't be- Our gym would look different if guys like you didn't have lifters here. Yeah, so I'll, like thinking of this and, and putting it to you, I was I sort of wanted to ask like, do you guys, is that something that you're proud of? Because there's, there's coaches out there that are scattered across Perth that are powerlifting coaches. They've sort of found their niche. They're obviously normally a powerlifting athlete themselves. I feel like, like worst case scenario, you guys just go, ah, oh, let's pull the pin on Richie's. There's fucking what, 12 less competitions per year or whatever it is that people can't coach people for. Um, so it's almost like you've created a little industry within the industry, if that makes sense. Is that something you guys are proud of? Um, and do you feel like a sense of responsibility uh, in that regard? Big responsibility. Look, to be honest, I never thought of it that way. We are definitely proud that we've been able to grow our gym to the point where we can hire full-time. Like you, you literally got Evan, Vin and Charlie who are literally full-time yep. strength coaches. Yeah. And they literally spend most of their time with powerlifting stuff. So that's really cool. We're definitely proud of that. In terms of like creating opportunities for other people, to be honest, never really thought of it. But now that you mention it, yeah, sure. I mean, like, you know, there's 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 probably half a dozen online coaches out there who obviously ha have built a business around powerlifting and competitions um, who, you know, their lifters lift here, uh, yeah. you know, which is cool. Yeah, man, yeah, there's I mean, other places. Cool. There is other places to lift, but that consistency of your competitions, just like the, well, just, yeah, the consistency of the calendar of novice comp, Western Classic, States, novice comp, ladies lifting, push, pull, purse cup, yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck else you do. Um, like, yeah, yeah without those, those jobs are, you know, the ability to be a powerlifting coach gets a lot harder in Perth. Look, I think trying to be a powerlifting coach is hard anyway, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and even if you speak to some of the guys that do work with clients who are competing powerlifting, I think you'll find they have clients outside of that as well. Because yeah. it's a very, very niche yeah. market, right? Yeah. Um, look, I guess in terms of the what you're saying about the, how we run the sport, like in terms of timing and stuff, you know, we kind of believe there's a season like any like any sport, you need there needs to be some consistency as to when things are going to be run, so people can forward plan. You know, so that's something that we've been really big on trying to get right. And even now, we're probably going to make some subtle changes. But um, yeah, honestly, man, I, I never thought of it that way. That's actually a cool way of thinking it. But yeah, I, you're right, man. But man, you can say that about anything. You know, you've created jobs. Yeah, true. That's just something that uh, like just looking from afar, I'm like, you know, Dan and Paul have got something here that has helped a lot of other coaches. Um, and whether that be, you know, intentional or not, um, I think it's sort of, and like I said, maybe I am too close to it, but I think it's definitely the case. Um, just moving on, man, run me through a quick history of Richie's gym um, because we haven't really gone over it from the initial inception at, as a PTC Perth, maybe touch a bit on that PTC agreement um why you felt it was necessary um like getting into your first facility and and just sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. run on from that man um well look we'd never run a gym before so it was new territory for us um so when we decided to open something well 
sort of a bit before that, sort of when we started and got into powerlifting, we sort of met um, Marcos, you know, sort of early on, you know, um, started following, you know, his programs, he had programs you could download and it was a little bit different from what it is today, right? Um, I went over to Melbourne a couple of times, did some training in his, at the time he had the, the gym in the garage, in his garage. So we got to know him and Max quite well. And then, um, you know, I had a discussion with him at some point about, about opening a gym because um, Scott at the time was opening one. And then 2012, actually what happened was I sort of lost contact with Marcos for maybe six months. And I think it's because Paul and I, we stopped training for a bit of common, but what happened? And then we sort of picked it up early 2012 and about, you know, halfway through 2012 or um, maybe a quarter of the way through, we decided that we were going to open the gym. Um, and I couldn't get in touch with Marcos because he was in hospital. He was very, very sick. Okay. So I was like, man, what are we going to do? Because we wanted to be part of the PTC brand because we just loved the philosophy and the, the ideology. Yep. Um, and we just felt being on, maybe being under the PDC brand, it would just help us give, give us a bit more exposure and stuff. Because at the time, man, Paul and I were very new to the sport ourselves. We weren't any big name powerlifters. No one really knew who we were, right? yep. which is fine. Um, people still don't know who we are and that's fine too. But um, we opened the gym and caught a PTC. I didn't even get his permission. Oh, really? Yeah. But he knew because we, we had already discussed it previously. So yep. eventually when you got out of hospital. Oh, so you were like, oh, we talked about this and he was saying you couldn't get in touch with him. So you were no, like, like, we're just going to run hospital. with it anyway. So we're going to run with it. And um, obviously I got in touch with him just before we opened and he loved it. He was so, yep. so happy and excited. He came over for our opening, um, which, was, which was cool. Um, and, you know, in true Marcos fashion, he probably rubbed up a few people the wrong way, but that's Marcos. He's a very polarizing kind of guy. Yep. Um, but he has, you know, he means well. Um, and so we stuck with the PTC brand for a while, as you know. I think our first facility was 170 square meters. Yep. We out, literally outgrew that within. And that was across months. the road from version three. Yeah. Right, so if you, everyone knows where version three was on Milrose Drive, um, just across the road on the corner, that was the first gym. Yeah. Okay. So that was 170 square meters. Um, we've got our first mono in that gym, which is still here in the back corner. Yeah. And I think then we sort of outgrew that quite quickly because 170 square meters, as you know, is tiny. I think my well, apart from the garage and the storeroom at the rugby club, our first one was 200, and it was yeah, yeah wasn't, and that's <laughs> then, then then you add a so toilet, well, then you add a you know an, a little office, right. and then yeah, it is 170. Yeah. We didn't even have an office, man. I just had my laptop sitting on a bench. There was no office. Yeah. And when we opened the gym, man, Yanni was Yanni was literally our first member. Yeah. Um, and then slowly, you know, all the all the OGs, well, now they're OGs, they were joining. Yeah. Um, it was a really good time because it was exciting, you know. There's that cool vibe about a new gym and new people and, you know, no one knows who we are. We're kind of the new kids on the block and it's just cool. Yeah. Um, so kind of that grew that quite quickly. I mean, we got to the point that we, people had to wait outside for people to finish training, to come in. Oh, shit. Before um, COVID. Before COVID. That was... Bef I'm talking no, no, no. Time. Like before COVID, they had to wait outside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah lucky there's no masks. But um, so then we moved to V2 um, in January 2014. And to be honest, for us, that was quite a big move because we went from 170 square metres to 450. Yeah. Um, Did that have the mezzanine yeah. in there to start with? Yeah, so there's 100 square metres in the mezzanine, which had all of our office, I had a treatment room. And in the end, we ended up, when we got the hammer strength gear, we ended up putting all the hammer strength gear up there. Yeah. And then we had 350 square metres on, on the ground floor. Now, at the time when we got that, it was 
a huge gym, massive. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously it allowed us to start to modernize what we do a lot more. Yep. Um, and then we started running comps as well. So that bigger venue just gave us a nicer space. Mm-hmm. It was still nowhere near as good as what it is today, but at the time, obviously, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we moved from V2. And then what happened was, um, I think we stayed at V2, say, three years, because we had a three-year lease there, a three-plus something. Um, and then after three years, we were like, what do we do, basically? Yeah. Um, and then we were looking around at potential um, venues and the Milrose one came up, the one the one that we were in for V3. Yeah. There's a really cool story behind that building. What happened was when we opened V1, I think it would have maybe been in our first four weeks of having the gym open, the guys across the road at that building, um, it used to be like a car lease joint. It was basically like a car lot. There was just cars inside. Yeah. They're having a barbecue, a lunchtime barbecue. They invite us over for a barbecue, some sausages and stuff. Paul and I went over and walked in and just went, imagine this was our gym one day. How good's that? And that was literally when we first opened our gym. And so when we went there and it was for lease, we yep. took that shit. Yeah. Could not believe it, man. Um, could not believe that we actually were in that, going to be going into that building, which That's was V3. Bad. Yeah. Now the move from V two to V three was significant because we went from say four fifty over double, to, right? It was about double. Yeah. You know? I think the floor space from I think there was about 100, 120 upstairs, and I think the gym floor space was about five twenty or something like to, that. I'm trying to picture the upstairs. I don't think I went upstairs at that other one. We didn't use it. Your office too. was downstairs, eh? Yeah. Yeah. They're we, all blending into one had, at the moment. <laughs> hey. They're all blending yeah, into no, one. No, no. To think we didn't. Most people who came to V3 wouldn't have gone upstairs because we used downstairs for the Wayne's, for example, and all yep. the offices. Mm-hmm. Upstairs initially was just a big empty room. Um, we had one of our, we had a, a kickboxing um, guy there doing some kickboxing for, for a time. Um, we used it for all of our courses and seminars and all that kind of jazz. And then in the end, we ended up putting three rooms up there one treatment room, a storage room, and an office, yep. um, which got a lot of use. Um, but to be honest, though, that we didn't use it that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of percentage use, it wasn't wasn't high. Yeah. Um, and then we installed the media box on top of the toilet block there. Remember, we had yep. one of our guys um, basically uh, build all the floor and sort of constructed that for us. Yeah. V3 was a big change from V2. That's when initially we erected some of the, the initial trussing around yep. the platform. Yep. Yep. Um, and then sort of, I think about six months later, we added the trussing on the side for the curtains. Yeah. Um, that, I really that was, think that was set up pu- like, well, not purely, but, um, it had a real focus on the competition aspect of thing and having like a, a competition yeah. set up basically permanent. Well, the, the move from V2 to V3 actually is an interesting one because it's when we decided that we needed to have a gym that allowed us to facilitate running a comp very easily. Yeah. Because at V2, we had to literally twist the gym around in order to... You had to move literally every piece of equipment. Yeah, it was I'm, tr- yeah I'm trying to remember it now because the warm-up area was like behind the crowd and then you walk down that side. Correct. Yeah. You know, but all the equipment was down the other end of the platform. You literally had to bring it... It was a nightmare. Yeah. So the idea behind having V3 was it needed to be set up as an events venue where it was quite easy to run a comp. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we had trussing and... You know, we've got TVs everywhere and, you know, obviously we've built it over time to what it is now. Um, and I think in the end there we had 
we had three monitors in the warp area, you know, three benches, three combos, three deadlift platforms, whatever at the back, yep. which to be honest at the time was literally one of the best warm areas anyone's ever seen. Um, and to be honest, there's plenty of equipment, right? Then when we, then what happened was, and I'll tell the story now because it's, it's in the past, we were quite happy at V3, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was going to say like, because the jump, like I, I don't think a gym can really go bigger than, or like, what are you really adding on by moving yeah. from that place? Exactly. So we were at the point where we were like, we're quite happy to stay at V3 for a while longer. Um, what actually happened was our landlord who had the building next door, his name was Peter, really awesome guy, loved us, really good relationship. He died. Oh, shit. Right? He was in Singapore or something and then a heart attack in his in hotel room, just chow, gone. Right? So we're like, what? Then what happened is his kids sold the, his building and our building to Next DC. Is that Remember the, the, big, the, the big computer building next door on the corner? The on next the corner. DC. Yeah, yeah, okay. And well, they bought our two buildings and then they come in and tell us that they plan on knocking our building down. So oh. they didn't want us, they wouldn't let us renew our lease. So we were like, oh shit, we have to move. Yeah. We actually have to move. Oh, fuck. Um, we didn't tell anyone this. I'm selling it now because, you know, it's two years ago. And it's all good. Yeah. Um, we were panicking in a way. We were like, what the fuck do we do, man? Where do we go? Where do we find a building that's going to suit our needs? It's the right size. And Paul and I have of the opinion, if we're going to spend a significant amount of money, time and effort to move, we're not going to go even to the same. We're going to go bigger. Yeah. It's got to be better than what we've currently got. Otherwise, it's a waste of money. Yeah. Right? Um we probably looked at maybe 10 buildings and honestly the stock at the time we were like man this is kind of we didn't know what we we're going to do yeah this building um had come up well it was already up but it was just we, were, we just felt it was a little bit outside of our price range like we didn't want to extend that much yep but in the end we just said you know what we only live once let's just make something of this and let's expand powerlifting let's just keep doing what we're doing you know um in hindsight, honestly, best one of the best decisions we've ever made. Yeah, um, man, we love this place. I don't, I don't see how our business could function without this building anymore. Yeah, I um, mean, awesome. we, we grew quite significantly from V three to V four. Um, you know, I mean, have, and having this building has helped us improve even just the competitions in terms of how we run them, the space, yeah, warm up area simple things like the wanes and all that type of thing has been improved because of the move here. Um, you know, so it's been, I mean, it's building, I mean. Does it fucking annoy I mean, you every, hey? does it, does it annoy you every time you drive past that they actually haven't knocked V3 down though? Hey. Every time I drive <laughs> past. Like, Wait, like, hurry what up, boys. Doing, man? <laughs> so, but they, they basically wouldn't allow us to renew the lease. So we didn't have a choice anyway. Um, but man, business company, big companies like that, they move slow. So we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. But in hindsight, man, honestly, probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah. Because I mean, we love it here. It's allowed us to expand and improve the things we do, and sort of take up, you know, take our brand and powerlifting, and you know, hopefully, strength sports to another level where you know it's kind of been stuck, plateaued for a while in Australia. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at the gyms in Australia right now. Um, well, for starters, you've had a lot of gyms close um, and we can get to the business stuff if you want a little bit later. 
Um, but even the ones that do exist, you know, there's nothing over a thousand square meters. I think the next biggest gym is maybe about 700. Yeah. Yep. This place is 1350. Shit. So when you consider the distance between sort of what we have created and sort of the next gym, even in the country, it's quite significant. Um, but man, you know what, at the end of the day, we do have the numbers to, in, in terms of, uh, you know, competitions and, and, and club members and clients and stuff to warrant having something. Oh yeah, if it, if it makes sense, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? So um, look, and I tell people this all the time, if it wasn't for the comps, we probably wouldn't have a building this size because I wouldn't need so much space. Yeah, well, that's what I was, I was gonna actually ask. Have you added, um, how much equipment have you actually added since that move or was most of it, I assume most um, of it was from V2 to V3? The, the biggest jump in sort of, oh, we need this, we need that. Yeah, the biggest jump definitely was V2 to V3. Although when we came here, we added three more monos. We had all the new dominator benches, five more benches. So we added all the dominator benches, more deadlift platforms, obviously more bar and weight. Um, and now we've even got more, you know, some more machines. Um, yep. So there's, there's been quite a significant upgrade in terms of the equipment. But um, I mean, you have to fill the gym out. You can't have like an, <laughs> a half empty gym. Yeah. Um, but it's good, man. Like, because, at, at, you know, right now when you've got, like you said, you, we've got seven monos, it means that people can actually train without worrying about like yeah. trying to fit many people on one mono, which becomes typical. Yeah. Um, and obviously for competitions, it's actually a godsend because having six monos in the warm period is like bliss, you know. Um, and I guess from the perspective of the competitions, I guess Paul and I wanted to create a venue, um, a warmer pair that really allowed lifters to perform the best. You know, there's no excuse. They can't say, oh, there's only one mono in the warmer area. You know, yeah. they, can't, they can't use that excuse. Yeah. Um, everything is there. I mean, there's even four combos. So even if you couldn't warm up all your light stuff on a mono, there's four combos you can just walk some weight out and squat up to a couple of hundred kilos and then get yourself onto a mono, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I didn't realize you added that much um, in from V3 to V4. Yeah, well, what happened was I actually ordered the three Warlord monos when I was in V3. I didn't even know I was coming here yet. Oh, okay. Because Paul and I were contemplating opening a second gym. Yeah. So we started buying equipment and we we're just going to store it. Yeah. Right. But in the end, we're like, well, we've already spent this money on equipment because we'd already paid for it all. So when we came here, we're like, we've already got it. Let's just put it in. You know, it was perfect. Yeah. It worked out. You couldn't have scripted it better, to be honest. So it was just, it just like a jigsaw puzzle just sort of went together. Yeah. Um, look, the move from V3 to V4 was very expensive. Yeah. I mean, we were coming into a building that needed a toilet block built, you know, with showers. You know, there's electric. Actually, I remember, um, I remember some Instagram stuff about some of the boys building out the showers, tiling and stuff. Uh, yeah, so well, Yanni and his dad tiled it, but we yeah, had yeah, I think I remember the fit out. Yeah, you know, so that toilet block that that wasn't there. We built yeah, okay. And that's not cheap. You're talking like twenty thousand dollars for yeah, a toilet block. Yeah, that off. <laughs> yeah. And then you got, you know. You've got to come over and you've got, we needed more trussing. You know, we had the media, some, we were like, what are we going to do with the media box? We don't have, like, I can't put it on the toilet block. Like, it's too far away and it just looks ridiculous. So we had yep. to build a media box. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, I think we added another TV and we really wanted to work on the networking patch panel and the wiring and all that. If you actually come to the gym and you stand in front of the platform yep. and you won't notice it because it's really subtle, but you cannot see any wiring. Yeah, true. 
Yeah, you can you can in front of the platform. Yeah, it's not like there's wires everywhere. It's all hidden in conduit and behind the trussing. And yeah, so we it's visually to, it's it's very visually appealing. Yeah, we wanted it to be Same. really slick, you know, and it was cool because we kind of got to build it from scratch. Yeah, because in V three there were some not mistakes, but things that we knew we would have done better. Yeah, and we were able to do that here at this gym, and that's was a really cool transition for us, even though, man, it was brutally expensive. So that, that uh, second gym that you quickly mentioned there, is that uh, on the horizon or? Because I, I know I it's- strong, I, I can confirm, hell no, it's not on the horizon. Yeah, I, like, and it's something that like, not that I've thought of, I, well, I have thought about it, but not in any like real way at all. I would just be like, how would I do it if I was to do it? And I was like, I fucking wouldn't like, and that's like, I'm not in that position where I'd want to. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like making this one, this one, my baby, that sort of thing. I mean, it was definitely more me that wanted to open a second gym than my brother Paul. Um, Obviously it might be a bit easier because there's two of you, yeah. But then it would be like fucking, but, no, but then it would really be like the Paul versus Dan sort of show. But it? then you've got this scenario where, cause we were thinking of having one south of the river. We we're looking in Melville and those areas, right? Yeah. Um, one, it's far away from where we live. Yeah. I'm in North Beach. He's in Inglewood. Yeah. So, like, who's going to go there? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to want to go there, which is going to be a much smaller gym than here? Yeah. Um, it, it, the admin overhead would just be ludicrous, to be honest, for... Well, again, you both can't... And, and you couldn't run... You couldn't just double the amount of competitions as well. If you say, like, we've got this exactly. big space because of the competitions... You couldn't just have fucking yeah. North Ruchies versus South Ruchies. And- the second gym was always going to be a satellite gym. Yeah, it was going to be basically try and replicate what we have in the warm-up area. Maybe yep. not the V four one, but the V three one. You know, three monos, four benches. Yep. Have that kind of equipment, or this, um, pretty much the same, which we had ordered, and have a whole bunch of hammer strength gear. You know, basically the same thing, but scaled down without the competition stuff in the yeah. middle. Yeah, that's what I, that sort of crossed my mind when I thought, how would I ever do it? And it, for me, it would be like that sort of hundred square meter, like real one-on-one PT studio sort of style. And then I was just like, fuck that, that, yeah. We were thinking maybe 400 square meters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But in, honestly, man, the overhead and the amount of effort it would require, and because Paul and I do love working very closely together, it would just sort of detract from the reason we got into this Yeah, was yeah. to like work together. Obviously help him, but we wanted to be together. Uh, not to mention, We'd have to hire a manager. And as you know, hiring people is very difficult. Um, yeah. So much work for like, one, yeah, so much work yeah. and more drama for like what you get a, well, the, 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 there's sort of no ceiling on it, but it's like, fuck, is it worth your time and effort? Just sort of make, put your effort you know, into making your place the best it can ever be. So, And that's basically what we went for. We're like, the yeah. opportunity to come to V4 was there. We're like, you know what? Let's do this because yeah. this, I think, to be honest, is far more integral to what we're trying to achieve with the sport. You know, yeah. one events venue, one club, everyone comes here. It's big, it's badass, it does the job, it's got everything. It's, you know, yeah, you know, let's be real, it's the pinnacle of fucking powerlifting competition venues. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm going to say I'm biased, of course, but nah, I mean, man. I mean, what, what's the next? What's, yeah. what's the next best venue? We don't really have one. That's why people have venues at yeah all sorts of places because their gyms can't cater for it. You know, yeah. Um, you so know, man, looking way, looking back, the mechanism to 
you know, help grow our own business and what we do. So but we love powerlifting. So it's a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. Looking yeah. back on those sort of 11 years, I think it's been 2012, nine. It'll be nine um, years in June. Looking back at that, what would you do differently? Um, is there any advice you give to your younger selves? Don't do this, don't do that. Would it would it be start out as Richie's straight away, or do you think it was worthwhile with the, okay, the PTC I'll, I'll stuff touch on to the start whole with? Well, the reason why we changed our name was because we just felt that we have built our own reputation and our own brand, yep. um, and we just sort of wanted to run with that. That yep. is the reason. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, and the change was really really positive. We got a lot of really good feedback. People loved it. I, I think we grew in terms of just our culture grew a little bit more just from sort of us representing our own brand, you know. It's more, more of an identity. Yeah, you know. Um, I would probably not change what we did in terms of, I think we did the right thing by um, trying to side with a brand that was already established and I, I think that was a good idea. Um, man, I'll be honest, I, I actually don't know how to answer that question. I mean, um, it's, it's like anything, you know. Nine years ago, I, don't, I didn't know anything about running a gym business. Now I have way more knowledge um, and tools at my disposal that obviously allow us to do the job, you know. So and obviously you're happy with how it's panned out. I probably will myself about a Bitcoin, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, there's those sort of things. But you're happy with how it all you, you, you're happy with how it all panned out. There hasn't been, you know, too much fucking heartache when it comes to the the gym business. And I'd be happy sitting in that sitting in that office of yours. So it's it's hard to say, yeah. oh, I'd change this, I'd change that. Look, man, I, I think you need to make mistakes and I think you need to experience in order to grow. Like it's, it's just, I think to go back and try and fix the things that we've done wrong, I think is kind of a mistake anyway because you don't learn from that. Yeah. You know, so and we haven't really done anything too wrong where it's been catastrophic. You know, we yeah. haven't lost our business or anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to be honest, what we find the hardest challenge about running a gym, and you probably might experience this as well, is that you're dealing with so many people, so many different personalities and cultures and mindsets and opinions and you know what I mean? So dealing with lots of different people is probably one of the most challenging things. Yeah. Um, and Paul and I, we're not polarising guys. We're certainly not guys that like a lot of confrontation. Um we like everyone to be happy. We, we, we kind of, um, we believe that everyone has good intentions. Yep. We're that kind of, we're that kind of people, you know? So I wouldn't call it fence sitting, but we try and make everyone happy as best we can. Obviously yeah. that's, and one thing we have learned is over the years that it's impossible to make everyone happy. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I tell the boys that all the time and it's something that I had to, you know, remind myself of and I'm, still doing it to be honest um yeah. you know like people might yeah. leave for certain reasons and in the past you'd take it personally or you know whatever it is i've sort of you know come to the realization like people are going to make their own decisions whether they're good whether they're bad whether they're right wrong um yeah if you try and please everyone it's just it's a, a race well, you can't win you can't please everyone you know what happens is you don't please anyone and more importantly you, you yourself are miserable because yeah. you know that you're not able to please everyone. Yeah. So, man, Paul and like... And in, in saying that, step. it's not just about being a dickhead and saying, well, you can't please everyone. It's like... That's you know, right, you, yeah. You try your yeah. best to, but understand that, you know, sometimes you you're going to fall short. Sometimes they've got a difference in opinion, that sort of thing. You know, sometimes we're going to make a decision here at the gym that someone might find 
negative to them or doesn't suit their needs. It's the same old story, right? People are afraid of change. They like the way the gyms run. As yep. soon as you implement some sort of change that affects them, even if it's good or bad, they don't like it, right? Most yep. of the time. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, you've just got to do what's right for you, you know? Yep. Um, in terms of people leaving, you know, like you initially, Paul and I, well, man, why why would you want to leave? You know, we didn't get it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously you're gonna you're gonna feel that way. But you know, especially over the last two or three years, if someone doesn't want to train here for whatever reason, let them go. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day. Like, I mean, not that I'm being an asshole about it, but like I can't change their mind. You have to have that way. Why Otherwise, would I want what are you gonna sit there and stew in it and start thinking of like why thinking would I want to change their mind? Yeah. You know, they yeah. obviously have come up with the that that realization themselves. So man, you be you, bro. You know, yeah. if you don't want to tra- train here, it's cool with us. We can still be friends and amicable, man. It's all good. Like there's no issue, but like, we're not going to beg people to s- s- train yeah. here. Yeah. You know, you either want to train here and you want to be part of Rucha's gym or you're not, yeah. you know, you either train at Rucha's gym or you don't. I mean, that's how we see it. You know, yeah. like it is what it is now. You're going to get that. Bro, let's get into some of the, uh, the ugly stuff with powerlifting, some of the good stuff, some of the ugly stuff. Um, Let's start off. With the, <laughs> let's start off with the good stuff. Who's your favourite lifter um, out of Richie's gym, past, present, future? Um, what's some of your your favourite lifts? Can you recall any that's you know from the crew that have been your favourite lifts um, over the years? But who's your favourite lifter so far that you've come across? Who's your boy? At our gym. Yeah. Um, look, I have to say, uh, Vifa, yeah, I was going to say you can definitely have favourites here. Um. And look, you know, there's a few reasons. He was the first member at our gym. Yep. He was nobody when he came to our gym. He was still a strong little guy, a Greek guy. Yeah. But over the years, we've helped develop. And he hasn't, we're the ones who've coached him the whole way. He hasn't had other coaches and bullshit. We have developed Yanni from when no one knew who he was to where he is now. And as you know, like, you know, he's pretty much a a name in himself, you know? Um, So we're really proud of that. Um, and so for the, I would have to say Yanni just based on that, you know, like um, in terms of favourite lifts, um, well, Yanni, there was a pull, I think it was the 317, he pulled or 320 when he went 757. That was crazy. It was at B3. Um, I don't think I was there for that one. Man, yeah, it's a difficult. There's been so many. Trent scoring 370. That was that was out of this world, right, man? Like he probably would have went 400 that day. Um, man, there's so many, dude. Like if you look yeah. at like Brett, uh, some of Wright's lifts are insane. Um, yeah. Some of the girls, like Michelle, Craig, Amy, some really really phenomenal yeah. lifting. Right? I think um, Yanni's probably. Man, uh, I don't, you know, what's funny about this? We don't really have. You know how people like watch powerlifters on the. We don't really. I don't really follow anyone or. A hundred percent. The boys always hit me up with the. You seen so and so, and I'm just like, who the fuck is that? I've just like, I did unfollow everyone on Instagram, but now I'm starting to actually like follow people back again. But I'm still like, I'm so, I'm like not about it. If you know what I mean. To, yeah. Like, oh, did you see John Hack? And I'm like, oh, what did he do now? Sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't mean, keep up with it, follow, You know, if, if they come up on my newsfeed, I might stop and have a quick look, but I don't like actively seek out and follow this shit. Whereas some people religiously like yeah, they love it, eh? training and everything, man. They could probably tell you what their shit looked like in the morning, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, um, out of, out of your right boys' now. lifters, I think Yanni probably is my favourite as well. I think I, I met Yanni. I'm trying to think of this. Did you guys have a stall at like a fitness expo? 
Yes. I'm pretty sure before <laughs> I even competed, he was like just chilling out, hanging out at the stall or something. And so we, we had so, so there was two years we so when the, the Perth Fitness Expo was on, we had stalls both years. Um, yeah. The first year was sort of just in the main area. Yeah. And the second year, we had it right next to the powerlifting area. Yeah, it might have been the, I think it was just in the main area. And I think I came across and Yanni was just like, fucking, you know, get around some powerlifting or something. I think it was him. And then well, we had photos of the gym on the back wall and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was before was I even competed. Yeah, we and love some I, stuff like that. And then I saw him like starting to compete and I always liked the fucking, the sumo lift. So for out of you guys, it's probably uh, Yanni and then probably Dale. I like the way Dale goes about it as well. Oh yeah, Dale's a great lifter. Yeah, um, man. With this, there's so many really good quality lifters. Um, we love our own crew. You know, I follow my own crew. What they're doing, I don't really. We don't really follow. Yeah, I'm just not interested, man. You know, um, I just love to put it bluntly. Yeah. I love powerlifting, but to be honest, it kind of it doesn't extend further than what's going on in my own vicinity. And it's yeah. not because I don't care. I just don't have the brain capacity, man. I've just got so much going on. Yeah, like. I'm going to spend my energy on the lifters I can actually help and control. Probably not the greatest word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Then someone that's on the other side of the world that, whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, mean, lo- it loses me as well. 100% loses I mean, me. I know that a lot of people will probably frown at that saying, mm. but the reality is like, I don't care that much. How much bandwidth How much bandwidth do you have, man, as well? I'm trying to run, you know, run a yeah. fucking business here. <laughs> I'm a poor and I already spread quite thin and I don't really have energy to spend yeah. on, on my so, man. Um, it's an odd sport. Um, it's very simple. No one can agree on the rules. It's ended up every man and his dog has their own federation. Judging is pretty atrocious at times. Um, even though it won't, what needs to happen for the shit to end in powerlifting? Oh, look, man. The longer, <laughs> How long the have longer, I got? The longer we get into this in terms of like, it just gets worse and worse, right? Um, initially, when we were in the, started, there was um, powerlifting Australia. In terms, of, let's talk about the big feds, yep. PA, yep. and Capo, right? Yep. And then Marcos and Emad came out with GPC. So we had the three feds. Mm-hmm. Now you've got. Can you tell me how many drug tested powerlifting federations we have in this country? There, I know, I know of two, three. Three. We have three. PA, APU, APL. Correct. Yeah. Now, yeah. why, in God's name, do we need three drug-tested powerlifting federations? Why do Why do we need? Why? Like, I'm sort of of the opinion. Why couldn't there be one and have two categories? Bingo. Exactly. Unfortunately, you're gonna you're gonna have the um, the Australian Sports Commission yeah. regulation. <laughs> they can't. I get that. So the APU is always going to be the way, the IPF affiliate is always going to be the way it is, right? Yeah. And then, you know, they do a lot of weird shit that people will go, why? They, there's a lot of regulation about the things they can and can't do in terms of, you know, especially if they're getting funding from the Australian Sports Commission. Yeah. Um, in terms of the drug testing, there's a lot of red tape, and Paul and I were privy to a lot of that stuff. Obviously, when Paul was involved with the APU. Yeah. Um, so the the APU is the IPF affiliate now. Yes. Not PA. PA is its own thing now. 
NBA has uh, it's world powerlifting now. Has it when all that when all that shit um, happened like what two years ago? It was like a fucking run out of my fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, so and then in terms of non-drug tested, you've got you know you've got Capo, which is the um, sort of the banner for the GPA, yep. WPC. Then you've got WRPF. Yep. You've got um, obviously GPC. You've got APL. You've got, um, and now you've got Metal Militia, which is now in this country. Um, oh, okay. Which is, I think, predominantly equipped anyway. Yeah. So you've got all these different federations. And, and to be honest, man, there's only real one, there's one reason why they all exist, right? It's ego. Yeah. One guy didn't like that guy, thought he could do it better. Part of federation. Well, that's what I sort of, um, you know, like as a, a fucking gym owner, business owner, and, and I've started to think about even um, putting on some, well, some, I say a novice competition uh, in the future. Um, now that we've got a bigger space and big car park and all that sort of stuff. And I was sort of like loosely crunching the numbers of what like, you know, a GPC membership costs, uh, a comp entrance costs. And then I sort of thought, fuck Dan and Paul, if anyone could actually do it uh, and probably should actually do it, they haven't, they haven't gone and just gone, fuck it, we're starting our own unlike it seems everyone else it's actually funny you say that no no not really. like, <laughs> next week we're starting a federation no, no, we actually get a lot of people literally begging us to start our own federation yeah um and our answer is always honestly we're not interested there's yeah. already too many federations you're adding, be real. you're adding to the fucking problem there's already certain pockets of people that fucking don't like us already yeah which is cool um, we don't need to add fuel to the fire. We just keep doing what we're doing. I'm happy to be the local representative and I guess the leader for the GPC and yep. call for the APL. And that's honestly literally as far as we want to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like being involved and running a whole fed or starting a new fed, even though we think we could do a great job, yeah. I mean, we've already got feds. Let's just yeah. make sure that we're putting the right people at their home so that the jobs get done properly. I, I think that's commendable because I was sort of thinking, fuck, these boys could be taking every bit of a membership that is going to the GPC. I don't know how they split it up. I know there's some sort of entrance fee for the meet director, all that sort of stuff, whatever it ends up being. But I was like, if these boys wanted to, they could be taking all that money from the GPC if they just started their own federation, run these competitions. Um, And then, you know, all the entrance fee for the memberships, all the entrance fee for the actual competitions would be theirs. But... I mean, you're not growing the sport, are you? You're just adding fuel to the fire, like you said. So it's pretty commendable yeah, yeah. that All you're not... doing is watering down a sport that's already watered down to the point of no return. Like, I mean, yeah. how many times can you divide by divide something in two? Yeah. Until there's nothing left for anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see this now, man. I mean, look at some of the local meets even here in Perth. They get like less than 10 lifters. Yeah. But like, what's the point when there's more officials than lifters? And that's what I've always sort of. I've always sort of mentioned and, and, and thought, it's like, why would I put on a novice comp when the boys are running theirs the way they are running theirs? I was thinking that until the last novice comp, half of fucking Port Kennedy was there. And I was like, hang on a second, what's going on here? Because we had Jess from Fitboard, we had Morgs from uh, Golds. And I was like, wait a second, we're yeah. all from Port Kennedy. <laughs> and man, if you want to run a novice comp, man, best of luck to you because like, yeah, it's not happening anytime soon, it, to be fair. It's a lot of work, but you know what, man? It, it'd actually be good because in your area, there's not really anything. Um, mm. And people literally have to travel here in order to, to um, even though they're going to come here anyway. 
Because yeah. I want to come. Well, that's, what, that's sort but, of what, what was always my way of thinking. But yeah, man, you, even if you got 20 lifters, man, it's a good day out. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. Half a day. Yeah. So we like we've done other ones in the past, um, like sort of fundraisers. We had like a, a PBs for yeah, balance yeah. thing. I did like a slingshot thing. I think I something come. like that is probably a little bit more up my alley. Like something a little bit different that's not out and out powerlifting. And people could probably even do it and still stick to the main the main sort of competitions that they'd go to anyway. So you could possibly yeah. get some guys that were more of that state national level that would come and do it, have a fun, have a bit of fun, have a laugh. Um, yeah. as well as those novices where it's not an out and out free lift meet where people need to have like an eight, 12 week prep for. Oh, don't get me started. 12 month fucking prep for. Um, but I've had a four year prep for this stance, bro. Shit, no. man. Is <laughs> Last time I was on the platform was in 2017, June. So like, I mean, I mean, I know I've done about a couple of comps in the last year, but I wasn't really competing. I just got on there and just, you know, I wouldn't call that for me, like giving it my best, you know, yeah. I mean, like getting on there I'm and trying to give it a crack. So are you, are, so you, are you ripping in this, uh, for this States, are you? I yeah. See so you've been, I see you've been training. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Things are feeling good, man. I've had, I've been riddled with injuries the last four years, bro. I've had. I want to get, I want to get to that. Um, that was, uh, not my next question, but the one after. So what's, what's the, um, the most common injury you've seen against uh, amongst your lifters? Um, I know you've suffered from some elbow, had, elbow tendonitis, bicep tendonitis. And I've had, you know, I've got a torn layer on my left side. It's not yep. too bad. It's actually okay at the moment. Yeah. Gave it yep. lots of rest, lots of good rehab. As, as he rattles going. these off, guys, this isn't a good advertisement for powerlifting either. Well, actually, I had this conversation with someone yesterday. Powerlifting is actually probably one of the sports with the least amount of injuries. No, oh, 100%. It's a controlled sport. You look yep. at something like netball. Man, I yeah. think um, I think it might be old data, but it was obviously soccer, and it wasn't, and it was um, per participant patient hours. So it wasn't like, oh, more people do soccer, there's more injuries. It was like divided by participation hours. It was soccer, yeah. and I was like, yeah, because you know, soccer, you know, those soccer players always. Hurt. Well, I mean, NFL would be the same. I would yeah. assume NFL might be sort of first to soccer. Yep. Um, it also depends what level we're talking about. Amateurs probably have more injuries than the professionals. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, what are the most common ones that you see and what are you what are you uh, dealing with at the moment, man? So I'm sort of, I'm always going to have the torn labrum on the left-hand side, but I'm managing that. Um, I, August 2019, I delaminated the patella tendon on the right knee. Oh. So I actually delaminated the tendon and a longitudinal tear through the tendon as well, through the patella tendon. Um, that was initially diagnosed as um, a meniscus issue. Yeah, maybe we thought it was torn or something, like a slap tear or something. But then I ha it kind of wasn't improving after some rehab, even though it wasn't ever going to be hundred percent. But then ended up getting a scan and it was confirmed that it was actually the patella tendon, man. So delaminated and longitudinal tear. And I literally could not do any sort of deep knee bend loaded for like twelve months. Because you know, as you know, a tendon being quite avascular takes a very very long time to heal and sort of improve. So. Literally, I literally could not squat for 12 months. Um, I sort of started squatting again late last year and things have been going well. And so now, I'm, you know, things are going well, right? So yeah. I squatted two feet for triples last week. So maxed out straight away. I wasn't maxing out straight away. I started like, I started like with yeah, 60 yeah. kilos, you know? Yeah. Um, and then this week, I've, tomorrow I've got 240 for triples. Um, 
probably looking at finishing somewhere around 280 in my prep. Um, I don't know what I'm going to squat. I reckon probably around the 280. Paul reckons I'm going to squat 290. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy just that I'm doing any squatting at all, to be honest. Um, I do have a bone spur in the left shoulder on the AC, yep. um, which sometimes gives me some grief, especially if I'm doing high-frequency benching, like I'm benching a lot. Um, but at the moment, because the frequency is quite low, just because I'm dealing with my fucking elbows, um, I'm not having any shoulder pain. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, the shot, the elbow pain is from the, the, the low bar heavy squatting, which a lot of our guys suffer with. And you probably find some of your guys as well. Yeah. Um, we tend to find it's more the stronger guys that are squatting quite significant weight. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we find. And anything under 200 kilos, you're probably that, not going to get That makes me feel good because I've had that personally myself. So that means it's heavy, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm generalizing, but it kind of depends. There's a few factors, but generally we find the guys that are moving a lot more weight suffer more. Yeah. Do you sort of take an approach of, um, obviously you think these heavier guys should be somewhat technically proficient. Do you think it's more of a, uh, a programming issue, uh, a technical issue, a bit of both? Um, what are you normally doing when it's, it starts to show its face with that, that sort of niggling elbow pain? It's a combination of maybe slightly technical. Most of it's a, an issue of they just can't get into the right position because they're just the lack of ability to get in there, you know? Yep. Lack of ability, basically, inhibition to move properly. Um, and as you get bigger and stronger and you get tighter, yeah. you know, your stability increases, right? Um, because naturally, to move heavy weight, we've got to be very stable. So I think as you get stronger, you start to run into problems because you're not able to get into positions just as a symptom of getting stronger, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, look, sure, there's programming implications, but it kind of depends on the lifter. Some of the lifters that we know who do struggle, you know, obviously undulate some of their variations. You know, some of them use a duffalo bar, safety bar. But, man, if I'm preparing for a meet and I'm six weeks out, you got to be on the fucking bar. you yeah. got to be on a squat. Um, so we just have to work and really try and adjust their training week, you know, so that it kind of works out for them as best as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still even freaking like mucking around with my training week. Next week I'm going to change it slightly so that I literally give my um, elbows four or five days rest before I bench. Yeah. So I'm going to squat tomorrow and I'm not going to bench until Wednesday, maybe even Thursday. I'm going to move my heavy deadlift session from Wednesday to Monday. Yeah. which I think it will be fine because at the moment everything's moving easy in training with my squats. not like I'm under a lot of stress. Um, I'll be fresh on Monday to pull. So, man, it, it's very lifter dependent. It's certainly not something that there's like one rule fits all. Um, it really depends on the lifter. I mean, we've got some guys who are very strong that don't suffer with any elbow pain. Then we've yeah. got some who get annihilated. Like Dale Smith, he gets annihilated. Dan Park, annihilated. Yeah. You know, me, I get annihilated. Um, it just, it kind of lifted a pendant, man. Yeah. I, there are I had it for a, a while there and I was getting it. This is when I was lifting like power, call it powerlifting and playing rugby. And there'd be times that it would flare up during rugby, like making tackles, like gripping. And I'd yeah. come off the field and I was just, and this was, <laughs> I was sort of really educated on what it was. And I was, I couldn't like grab on and I was just trying to tackle with arms and I just felt like a kook and I'd come off the field and just put ice packs on it and just be in like crazy elbow pain. And I was like, I fucking squatted like three days ago and it just something would happen or there'll be an effort crazy. that would just flare it up. Yeah, surfing, anything where you're surfing once, paddling, paddling surfing, just got oh, me out one day. I was just like, what's going on? Just stand there. No. 
Yeah. So it's, re- yeah. it's a real weird one and it's a fucking horrible aching pain. Wouldn't wish well, it on anyone. It kind of makes a little bit of sense when you think about the, um, when you go back to the anatomy, I guess. Like if you're, if you're squatting, say, uh, I'd say 200 kilos, right? Yeah. Which is roughly maybe what you were squatting. You know, if you're supporting the weight of the bar with your arms, yeah, that weight is being transmitted through your arm, yeah, through your body. I feel like right? it's like that's the easy, like, oh, you're taking all the weight through your wrists and elbows and that's what's, you know, causing it. But then when I feel like I never feel like I am, like I always feel like it's on my back and shoulders. Like I, I, it was, I mean, if you feel like you're pulling the bar down enough where you're really munching that bar into your back to crest the booty rather than supporting slightly. Yeah. Should be okay. I mean, yeah. I've always yeah. been in the situation where I'm pretty conscious of it when I know that I'm pulling not down nicely, I'm not supporting the bar. I yeah. tend not to have any issues. Look, I'm not saying that you can't get issues. Of course you can, man. You oh, talk yeah. about a lot of play. There's there's a lot of factors. It's not that simple, you know. Yeah. Um, I found going thumbless helped me out. Um, and also so, uh, I did fucking not fucking powerlifting also helped out as well. Yeah, so I did thumbless four years ago and it's, I still got it, but it was a little bit better. Yeah. I have since gone back to thumb under the bar because thumbless, man, is so dangerous because the, there's nothing to stop the bar from slipping down your back. No, nah, there's not. Yeah, what if it's I'm fucking sketchy. The bar slowly slips. I'm fucked, basically. Yeah. I, I, I'm literally going to lose my shoulders because the bar is going to come down straight onto my arms and just, yeah. can you imagine? When I first started, I was like, this is, yeah. No. So the other thing that people are doing now is thumb under, but get, they get rid of the pinky. Yeah. It's because you can rotate the hand a bit better. Yeah. I don't like that. That's always been an odd one to me. It destroys my, my the joint. Yeah. That joint gets annihilated because the bar is literally resting on your pinky. And if it's not resting on your pinky, it's difficult. You know you know the, the cue and the bench press, the squeezing the pinky to engage your lats? Yeah. You know that one? You're kind of doing the same thing in the squat where you're squeezing down on the pinky and that just helps you disengage that lat a bit nicer, almost like you're bending the bar. Yep. Right? You can't do it if you haven't got the pinky around the bar. It's harder yeah. to do it with that finger. It doesn't feel the same. Yeah, you know, no, try it's, it's, just, it's just not fucking nice. And so for me, I tried the pinky last week and I'm like, nah, I just my back's not tight enough. I just yeah. I can't squeeze, you know. So what I did is I just brought my hand out maybe another inch and then it just helped me rotate my hand a bit. Yeah. That seemed to help tomorrow. I'll see how it goes, but I just that, tried yeah. to So it's a bit of a manipulate that, do what you can, and then sort of play around with your programming to make it make exactly, the most sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Look, you know, apart from that, obviously you can for the last six weeks you can you can time anti-inflammatories around your bench pressing. Um, you can ice. I mean, you can get treatments. I'm having treatment every two weeks on my arms. Just basically yeah. just flush it out. Just basically flushing exercise. Just get nice, lots of heat through it because um, obviously that blood flow helps really, you know, release toxins, especially through those avascular tissues. Um, I needle myself. So yeah. I'll sit there at home and just needle my arm myself, um, which to be honest, I did it last week on one arm to see if it actually made a difference. Didn't do shit. Yeah. Next day, I was still in agony, both arms. So I was like, man, okay. the kneeling didn't even do anything. So <laughs> um, I think when it gets to the point where it's quiet, chronic's not a good word because chronic's probably not a good word because it's not a long-term thing, but it's chronic in the sense that it just feels deep-rooted. You know yeah, when you get the, It's still so deep in the joint Yeah. Um, that it's almost chronic for that reason that you just can't shake it off, man. You know, you can't shake. Even now, my arms... Yeah. I can feel it. Right? Would, would you uh, say that elbows well, are the most common um, sort of across the board in terms of your lifters or is it, you know, fucking lower backs blowing out or what, what would you say? 
to be honest, man, it, it, it's pretty even, you know, elbows, lower back, um, hips, knees. Yeah. Those are four, four or five joints are sort of your most common. Yeah. Um, my joint is obviously a big one as well. So let's call it lower back stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of, you know, knee tendinopathies, tendinitis type issues, just basically just from overload. Um, yeah. So the full, back, the, the, the full gamut, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty diverse, you know. It's not like there's one particular thing that sticks out. Yeah, heaps. It's kind of like the majority of injuries are sort of somewhere around those four or five joints. Yeah, I'd definitely it's probably, say it's like fucking backs and backs and elbows for us. Yeah, the knees. The knees normally come from our athletes, field sport, court sport athletes are the ones. Yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. Of Pre-existing Look, knees man, and ankles that, that they haven't rehabbed properly. The lower back's a tricky one, right? You know that because they're, they're, there's so many tissues, there's so much structure. Oh, there's a lot uh, going on. You know, and man, maybe eight weeks ago now, I can't remember what, maybe 10 weeks ago, I was up here in my office and I dropped a piece of paper and I went down to pick it up. And I went, oh, shit. And I'm like, I've just fucked my back by picking up a piece of paper. All I, I didn't, was fine. I just aggravated, I just aggravated the faster joint, you know, but to me, it felt like the end of the world, you know? Yeah. Um. So after a couple of days and after a week, it was fine. It was just a faster joint, but like, Man, the lower back, there's so many, you know, there's so many reasons you can have lower back pain. And you know what it's like, we just diagnose themselves. Come on, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me, don't get me started on that. Don't get me started. And I think people overanalyze some, especially the lower back stuff too much. Um, they should try and address the, the symptom. You know, you're obviously having pain for a reason, but most of the time that pain is just really just due to poor mechanics. Yeah. And load. Yeah. Um, so if you can just take a step back and try and improve the mechanics and just start with a lot of load and then work your way up, try and strengthen the position. And I think that normally would fix most of your problems. It's because you know, like right? some of these guys, Stop some of these guys think so they're going after you can every fucking session is the answer to getting strong. Yeah. And that's why they put themselves. I wanted to touch on that as well, man. Um, just a little bit of your sort of lack of a better term, sort of programming philosophy. I was talking to Jack uh, in the gym the other day. Um, who's uh, a member down here now. He's a member at every gym, I think. Um, <laughs> He's actually a member here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was just talking about how he, you know, he does more straight sets with, uh, with your programming. And I know when you were coaching me, it was more sort of straight sets based. And I feel yeah. um, the, the whole top set of an RPE um, for a lot of people ends up being like almost a chance to try and test themselves too often um especially when you're as strong as someone like jack is obviously you don't want him like pushing towards his ceiling uh very often at all um but you is that something you probably uh i don't know something that you've seen or what's your sort of philosophy when it comes to how you program um you normally go sort of four weeks where it's you know three weeks increasing one week deload that sort of stuff obviously it's going to change for the level of lifter and who you got in front of you but Look, in terms of like the flat set stuff and then your top set and your pyramids and stuff, Paul and I have always been a flat set kind of, um, I guess that's kind of our philosophy. Yeah. The top set stuff for us, to be honest, I just feel like we call them ego sets. They're ego yeah. sets. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just feel like they turn into like a, even if they there is a prescribed RPE, people like I'm, you're seeing some fucking RPE sevens that are like, not, not <laughs> just 100% not a seven. Um, 
their their ego sets and their we call the Instagram sets. Man. They're the yeah. ones that are going to Instagram. Yeah, and if it's implemented well by a, a lifter with a, you know a lot of well that is disciplined in themselves, it can obviously sure. be 100%. like anything. It can be effective, but I th- yeah, yeah, no, no, look, I'm not saying that people that are like yeah. top set. Yeah, Yahoo, let's go. But not just that; it's like every session. Yeah, every session, it's like like you actually going to end up doing some work or <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, Flat sets to us, it just allows us to control variables a bit better. You know, you know, if I'm in a, a in a sort of a, a general prep block, you know, I'm not going to push someone to a heavy double. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. To me, that makes no sense because you're you're missing the intent of the training block. You know? Yeah, that's not the adaptation um, you're sort of chasing at that point in time. Exactly, it's probably, in some cases, it might not even be the right energy system. It obviously yeah. depending on the floor, right? Um, but like in that way, you know, you can slowly take people into competition and build confidence. A lot of people will say, I like doing the top set because it gives me confidence um, yep. with the heavier weight. No, 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 no. It's ego. Yeah. That's all it is. And you know what? It's actually okay. It's okay to say, I like lifting heavy because it fucking gives me a buzz. Yeah. For some reason, people don't want to admit that. They'll be like, oh, it's sort of confidence. You know, I have I like this sort of argument with, uh, well, not so much argument, but I have this chat with Troy a little bit because um, back when, you know, people would want to, well, people still do, uh, want to know they can hit a number before yeah. the competition that's exactly. coming up. And he's like, ah, he sort of subscribes to more the, nah, just let them, it'll give them confidence. And I'm sort of subscribing to the more like, I don't know, like sports science, super compensation point of view, if that makes the... I'm probably definitely more biased towards your mentality than the other. Yeah. Because again, it, look at Jack, let, let's take Jack as an example. Right. Um, look at his prep for Western Classic. I think we had him squatted to a max of, I, mean, I don't remember, 280 or 290. Right. Yeah. Um, I had, I think I had him planned for 280. He did his last session here and it was so easy. Yeah. So I was like, bro, just, just put 290 on the bar. Like and even the 290 was ridiculously easy. He should have squatted at 300 at Western Classic. He just fucked yeah, up. Yeah, he missed that second, didn't he? And the 290 on the third was a smoke show. So here's an example of it. You didn't have to take him to 300. In training, yeah. but he had it there on the day. Um, Dan Maddock, same thing. Uh, he squatted two ninety in training. He squatted yeah. three hundred. Yeah, it's sort of having that a back. little bit of experience and a little bit of faith that you know the the sort of numbers don't lie. Like if you can hit such and such for so many reps, like you should sh- should sort of be confident that you can eyeball that next step. But man, to be honest, the whole argument about I need to fill the weight, but there's ways you can do that. You can just do an isometric hold. Unrack yeah. 300. Yeah. Hold it for 20 seconds. Put it back on the rack. Unrack 200 oh, on don't your say it. Oh, fuck, don't say that too loud. But there's ways you can actually do that without having to go through full range of motion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and in fact, we use that a fair bit with lifters who sort of buy into the philosophy of I need to feel it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll give them heavy isometrics. Yeah. Um, and it works well because then, you know, like they'll, I might do that at the start of the, you know, they might be, say be doing a five by five. I might give them a 20 second isometric hold. Yeah. It might be like plus 30% or whatever onto the bar. You know, they do that for 20 seconds. They feel good about themselves. Yeah. And then they go into their five by five and they fucking annihilate it because they've already felt 30% more weight on their back. Yeah. You know, um, bro, when I went to Pro Raw, Pro Raw A, I can't remember what happened, but my warm-ups were it was really rushed. Yeah. Um, I think I opened my squat on 260. Um, 
I think the last squat that I did in the warm-up area was 220. Shit. Um, and I didn't have enough time to, say, do a 240 yep. warm-up. So we just loaded 260, and I just unracked it and put it back. I did oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, nice. And then I went out and just opened on 260. So there are some scenarios where doing that is beneficial, but I think it's, in some cases it has to be a little bit yeah. unplanned yeah. Well, like that. I couldn't, I, you know... Yeah, in competition, shit goes wrong. In training, obviously, you can plan a lot better. Um, Paul and I are far more down that path of like flat. I guess you want to call it flat, flat sets, um, yep. rather than netting and, and doing all sorts of fancy shit. Um, obviously, as we come into competition, we do tend to follow a, a more methodical um, tapering style. You know, coming to a specific prep, yeah, higher specificity, high frequency because of the high specificity. Um, and you start to shed off a lot of those accessories that are not really adding any value at that point in time. And then obviously in pre-competitive, you know, three, maybe three, maybe four weeks out of being on the lifter, you shed load hard. You know, that's when you really start to go from, you know, your higher load and you're shedding it quite, quite a lot, right? Um, because the idea is to, again, like the whole, the whole super compensation cycle, right? Um, give someone plenty of rest and recovery so that by the time they get to the competition, they're performing at their optimum you know for, for your heavier lifters say um i'm not sure if you're programming for right uh, but even someone like yanni when would you place their sort of last um heavy deadlift heavy squat session how far out from competition that's one of my favorite questions bro thank you for asking <laughs> if you actually look at um neurologically how long it takes you to recover from a true heavy squat bench or deadlift the deadlift takes about 19 days to yeah. go from holy fuck that was heavy you're sore maybe for a few days and then you start to feel less sore but it takes 19 days literally to return to homeostasis neurologically the squat takes about 14 days obviously it's give or take obviously someone who's lifting a lot more it's going to be higher and someone a lot less they're going to recover quicker we're just talking general numbers and a bench press about seven to ten days right um so we kind of use those numbers to determine how far out we're going to heavy lift someone yep. so we normally deadlift we normally deal with a deadlift about two weeks about two weeks okay um a squat you know somewhere around 10 days sometimes two weeks um bench you can obviously bench high frequency and a lot more low close to the competition so normally you know seven days or so it kind of depends but um do you it does bring those do you bring those durations um closer for say novice lifters yeah so we can um so we can i, I guess it's more of a I call it backloading. Yeah. You know, we can backload way more in a novice lift like someone like Trent Riley. They're going to be able to lift heavier with more load closer to the competition because their super compensation cycle is a lot smaller because we're dealing with a lot less load. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's dependent on the lifter. You know, um, once the lifter gets to a certain point, you find that you kind of deal with them in a very similar way where you have this, you know, roughly two weeks, two to three weeks for a deadlift, two weeks for a squat, seven to ten days for a bench. That kind of works quite nicely. Yeah. Um, for an obvious demand, honestly, I mean, you can have someone deadlifting, squatting heavy a week out. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. Not, it really depends, like the the technical know, like, side of things. Like if they get it right, you know, yeah, they, could, they yeah, can yeah. sort of surprise you. Even just the arousal from competition can sort of oh, have, have them pulling PBs yeah, anyway. So. as well. I do well in competition because well, their levels of arousal are a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas when you've got someone who's a lead, they have to learn how to switch on. 
yeah. and to focus the energy properly. You know? And man, you know what? Not everyone makes a good competitive powerlifter. You can be strong as fuck in the gym. And then Dude, you get to I, I fucking say that all the time. And it's and like social goes. media drives it as well. But I see like, and I, what it, I used to say something like, just like there's a lot of strong people out there, super strong people that are terrible powerlifters. Yeah. Like in terms of opening I'm attempts too high, like technical aspects of it that you'd be like, that's not, you wouldn't show someone and say, that's how you do a squat, but yeah, it's, 400 plus kilos. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Plenty of things like examples of that. And, and you know, that's normal for everyone. Not everyone can perform under a competitive stress. Yeah. You know, someone like Yanni, Yanni's probably one of the best examples in WA, I feel, of someone who actually performed better in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find someone better than Yanni, maybe right. Um, yeah who actually has proven that they perform better in that scenario. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes guys like Ryan and Yanni champions. That's yeah. why they've won the most. Yeah. Because they can always rise to the occasion. You know, they don't fall to the level of their training. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's a funny one. I mean, some people do with stress in different ways. Some people, like I said, rise to the occasion and actually feels the firing room. Some people sort of crawl into a shell and, um, they just don't perform. They're too nervous. They just they just don't have it in them, man. Yeah. Um, I do feel that the more you do it, the better you get at it, you know? hundred um, oh, so percent. And, you know, people would see from um, how much I pump Sally up about how much she competes. That's why she's our best powerlifter. She's done the most competitions. It's not a surprise, man. Yeah, it's not a surprise. Yeah. Like, even for me, man, I mean, I've done quite a few comps and obviously I've been involved in coaching. And I still get nervous. Um, but I, I can, I still perform because I just learned how to harness it a little, harness it, you know. Yeah. Once my first squat's out of the way, I literally have zero nerves. I'm just having, yeah. No, the first, and this is for a lot of people, that once that yeah, first yeah, squat's yeah, out that, way, they're on the board. You know, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's going to be very different to someone like Ryan Young, who's always going to be at the top of the food chain, you know. You know, I'm certainly not that person. Yeah. Um, you know, at different levels, I find that I can I perform quite well. In powerlifting under in competition. Yeah. I played a lot of snooker in my life, right? Now, snooker, I played lots of competition, right? In fact, this is going to be a bit of a secret for everyone. Well, this is my secret that no one knows. If I was to choose what I wanted to be in this world, I would be a professional snooker player. You got me thinking. I think mine's changed. You know? Professional I was playing- snooker player. I was playing billiards and snooker like when I was 18. I played yeah, I see that. Yeah, I see that. You're into it. And um, the reason I stopped playing was it's very, very time-consuming. You know, yep. ridiculously time-consuming. Just hours like, of practice? I was playing six hours a day, every day. And even then, you know, I wasn't winning any state championships. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. It was average well, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just love it, man. If I could choose, I would definitely pick it. You got a pool table at that gym of yours or what? No. You got a pool table I, in when there. We got here, when we got here, because upstairs didn't have all your office. I'm like, man, Paul, you reckon I can put a billion table up here? Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. Or get any work done, man. I'll be out there practicing all the time. Yeah, that's all right. It gives, uh-huh. you, gives you the time. Yeah. All good. But, um, but, man, that sport is a little... Well, I don't really like calling it fucking snooker a sport because it's not physically challenging um it's more of a game right like darts or something um 
when you play in competition, it's a completely different thing from powerlifting. Yeah. It's quiet, you've really got to focus, and man, it's very. I personally struggled in competition with snooker. Yeah. Um, I got really nervous. You have high expectations of yourself. You just perform shit because you just built this up, you know? Yeah. Whereas in powerlifting, I don't have the same. I don't have that in powerlifting. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I always sort of joke that, I, like, I don't get nervous, but I get excited. Even with, like, yeah, yeah. with powerlifting. It's, it's like, quite a nervous feeling, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the same sort of thing, but it's, um, you know, and we both would have seen um, people getting on the platform uh, and just, you know, Again, just like you know, people that struggle to walk through the gym doors, people getting on the platform is like might be the most confronting thing they've done, fuck, in their life to that point, um, which is, yeah, is crazy yeah. to think. Um, but it, it could oh, be, and some people sort of, you know, it, it is a huge deal for others. Like someone like myself, I'm like, ah, just fucking get up there, like you know. But that's because I've got a background playing sport. When you actually think about powerlifting. Everyone's eyes are on you. Yeah. It's yeah. not like you're in a team sport where there's 22 other players on the field, you know, and it's not like that at all. It's literally like you are performing in front of everyone who's watching yeah. you. Yeah, you're like on your name up. comes up basically. Yeah. So for some people, that can be pretty daunting. I mean, yeah. I don't have an issue with public speaking. So doing something like that is not an issue, but maybe someone who has an issue with public speaking might find it difficult to get off the platform where. Maybe they're not speaking, but they're performing publicly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, performing publicly in powerlifting and maybe doing like some, another sort of performing would be two different things. Like, I'm not about to step on the stage and sing in front of everyone, <laughs> um, you know? But performing in powerlifting, I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, we can probably start to wrap it up here, bro. That's about an yeah. hour and a half already. Um, you wanna, um, before you wrapped it up, did you want to talk about business shit at all? Oh, I reckon we've covered we've everything. Already? What's that? You reckon we've already lost the audience? Yeah, we might have. We might have. <laughs> um, yeah, about now. But you know what? We can come back and do a, v, a second edition or something. Yeah, point. man, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want to say uh, thanks again for jumping on the podcast, man. Uh, it's probably, you know, taken us far too long. So uh, we'll have to make sure we, we check in and we do a bit of a – maybe we can even yeah. do a um, – or to be like a states preview or a states review or something like that would be good. Um, and we can just maybe go, a recap. yeah, a maybe bit of a recap, recap maybe. Um, and that could be something we maybe get up, uh, up and running like pretty regularly um, if you're down for it. But um, sure. thanks. I, I want to say thanks for everything you've done for powerlifting in, in Perth, man, without sort of blowing smoke up your ass too much. Um, but yeah, like I said, you guys have. Uh, Let's not forget my brother Paul, bro. Well, yeah, and Paul as well. Um, but yeah you guys have created something in Perth that uh, you know fuck I don't know if anywhere else in the world would have um, you know a facility like that that has like I said created jobs for powerlifting coaches created opportunities for people like me to run gyms like we have Um, and uh, yeah so I want to thank you for that Um, what else do I want to get to What what else do I want to get to I think that's it man Sweet. No, look, man, I'm uh, humbled by your words, bro. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's awesome. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. All right. So, guys, if you've listened this far, you need a new <laughs> hobby. Um, but make sure, <laughs> make sure you uh, subscribe, like, comment, review, do all that sort of sharing stuff. Be our friends. Um, do the old IG screenshot. 
tag us in your story. Um, hopefully we can share it. Um, and yeah, hopefully we see Dan back here for a bit of a, uh, a recap after some local competitions. Thanks again, dude. That's be good. All right, bro. Hopefully I'm able to perform. Yeah, let's go. All right, bro. Maybe I'm not in cr on crutches, man. You help. <laughs> Later, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it. All good.